Well, good morning again. It's great to see you all. So thanks again for bringing the church into this space. And those of you that are watching online, thanks for bearing with us too as we're trying to figure out technology and switching. Uh, I know you guys might not be aware of this, but YouTube wasn't working for us, so it's Facebook only uh, this morning. So hopefully you found uh, that. Now, we began a series a few weeks ago um, called Songs for uh, the Journey, um, and it is this wonderful invitation through what are called the Psalms of Ascent. So Psalm 120 through 134, and it's these songs, really, that the people of God would sing as they would travel to Jerusalem a few times a year for these various feasts, festivals, these things that the Lord had called them to so they might actually enjoy the presence of God. And I can't think of a more fitting series even for us to be in as we've navigated and continue to navigate these tumultuous times that are divisive times, times where we've, man, we've really needed one another, the body of Christ, and yet it's been hard, right, to figure out, like, well, how do we be the church in this in this particular time and in this place. Um, and so it, uh, it is certainly uh, a challenge. Um, and so um, I am so thankful though that God, many, many months ago, as we even thought through sermon series and whatnot and looked at the fall, having no idea uh, where would we be at this particular, you know, time of, particular time of the year and to know like, well, the Lord has us in these, you know, in this particular series during uh, this particular time. And so um, if you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to go to Psalm 122, all right? Um, and uh, as we get into uh, this series, it's called, again, Songs for the Journey. So uh, go to CPWP. Life, and you can uh, swipe over and find the message notes. Uh, one of the things I'm actually in real time here trying to figure out is my slides aren't loading on this. So um, I'm like, I feel like I had information here. But anyway, so um, we will hopefully get this, uh, get this going. But it'll be helpful. You can follow along there. Psalm 122. And what I want to go ahead and do is read this particular psalm. And so... Um, and then we'll work our way through this. And even as this starts, um, again, that the Lord would have for us to be in this particular psalm, this particular song, on this particular morning, um, only he could have uh, planned that. And so as I read this, will you go ahead and stand with me? Psalm 122. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. And for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. And so, church, I want to invite you. Um, you see the words there on the screen. Would you join me? And if you're at home, even to pray these uh, aloud. And so let's say these words together. We need the Spirit to illuminate our minds and our heart and our thinking uh, this morning. So if you'll pray with me. Draw us close, Holy Spirit. As the scriptures are read and the word is proclaimed, let the word of faith be on our lips and in our hearts, and let all other words slip away. May there be one voice we hear today, the voice of truth and grace. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So 
I'm attempting to fix something here. Um, you know, there's always got to be something on this, you know, first, uh, first morning of, of returning back, right? So um, we'll see if this can get going or not. And if not, I've just got like 25 blank slides staring me in the face here. So we'll see if they start to, uh, if they start to load or not, slowly but surely. All right, so, um, all right. What I may need, um, sorry, word to the back. Um, I've got a digital copy on here, but you'll just kind of change the slides. That'll be, that'll be great. So uh, there you go. All right, so what I want to do is as we make our way through this, the first thing, this is just a psalm all about worship. And so on this Sunday where we're coming back to worship in person, again, I'm really excited that the Lord has us to be in this particular passage. So there's a few things. I just want to slowly just work our way through this passage for a few moments together so that we might actually have a right understanding of what, what worship is, what we're called to, uh, what is happening that is bigger than just simply gathering in this space or gathering online. Like what happens here on a Sunday is important. What happens when the church gathers is important but it's meant to fuel our entire life of worship. And so the way we start out, though, is look back with me at verse 1. It says, I lifted, or no, it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so the first thing for the psalmist is there's just a delight. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, in anticipation of gathering again with the church body, with what is the family of God, not just like a family, like you guys actually are family. Like there's something that's united us in the gospel together. All right. So whether you're new to Crosspoint or not, like we view this as like there's this family and it's this family event that is happening both here in person and online. And there's an absolute delight in getting together in worship. And so that's why the psalmist says that. I was glad when they said to me, it's like, Oh my goodness, I can't wait. So maybe kids that are in here this morning, thank you for one, for joining us. You know that feeling, right? When it's like almost your birthday or Christmas is just around the corner and you're looking forward to like, ooh, what's this day going to be like? And you're anticipation, you know, in the anticipation, all of that, that gets at the heart of what is happening when we get to gather. And so you imagine these folks here, they're setting out on this journey it's a long, treacherous, we looked at this last week, that the Lord is their protector, because there's all kinds of things that could go wrong on the journey. But yet, there's an excitement, because it's like, I can't wait. This is what I'm made for. And so the psalmist is reflecting on that. Now, as we look at verses 1 to 2, there's a key component that happens. It's not just a delight for an individual, but worship is fundamentally communal. To be the church is to be a body together, all right? Now, that's what's made it challenging, hasn't it, over these past six months or so? As, again, like, how do we be a body that where you're actually not supposed to be, other, be near other bodies, right? I mean, it's like all kinds of challenges, and yet we've seen God work, and God continues to build his church, and you all are testament to that fact. And the psalmist is reminding us, oh, it's not just, though, for an individual. Like, there's something that we're created for, that there's this communal aspect and so when we're brought into saving relationship with Jesus, you are not only saved in your relationship vertically, but you're also then brought into a people. You're brought into a family. Now, to be sure, it is a highly dysfunctional family at times, right? Like we've got our own baggage, we've got our own junk, we've got things that we continue to carry. We are not perfect people. If you're here this morning in person or online, and you're like, oh, maybe this is the perfect church. Mm, nope, let, let just, clearly it's not, right? Like that's just the reality. But yet we do need one another, and the Lord in his grace gives us one another so we might point each other to 
Jesus. And so look with me again at verses one to two. I was glad, all right, so you get that rejoicing. Let us go to the house of the Lord. It says, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And then we get to verse three, and it says, um, it says, sorry, let me back up. Our feet have been standing within your gates. You notice the language there. It's when they said to me, but then let us go. And our feet have been standing within your gates. The Bible knows nothing of an isolated individual Christian. Now, I was reading and studying for, for this. I came across, there's a, a pastor, a theologian by the name of Kevin DeYoung. He's written a number of, of books. And one of the things he talks about, um, maybe you'd be familiar with this term, right? Um, if I said, you know, somebody got decapitated, like that's a violent image, right? But you know, like they're literally cutting the head off of something or someone. He says, now, our present day problem in the church isn't so much that we're a decapitated people. He's like, no, we recognize lots of people will say this, right? And maybe this has been part of your story. Maybe you're still figuring this out. And so I'm so glad that you're here even trying to sort through this is we might look at it and say, yep, Jesus is the head, all right? And so we're not gonna cut ourselves off from Jesus. Like we know we need Jesus, but we end up in this other spot where we actually wanna cut ourselves off from the body, and I think one of the things that God in his kindness and his grace to us has done over these past few months, as painful as the pandemic has been, as difficult it is to continue to navigate, wouldn't you say that as you reflect on it, you start to appreciate more like, oh, there are things that I took for granted. Like I took this for granted. There are interactions that I've had with, you know, would always have with people and just kind of come in everyday ways, and especially in the church, and suddenly those things go away just like that. And so this phrase, rather than being a decapitation issue, he says we have a decorpulation problem. What he means by that is like the corporate nature, we've just sort of cut ourselves off from that. So it's very popular today to be like, I love Jesus. Yes, he's the head of everything. Yep, I get that. It's the body that I've got a problem with. But this says, no, no, we're in it together. And so let me ask you, church, one of the things that's going to be key for us as we continue to navigate this and as we move forward as the church, I'm praying that the Lord marks us in this moment where we would look back and we would say, hey, pre-pandemic, pre-all of that, there was a growing sense, and I think this is true not only of Crosspoint, but just the church at large of like, I can kind of take it or leave it. Like, I'm good with Jesus, all right? But yet Jesus was like, really? Like, how can you be good with me if you don't care about my church that I died for? Now, it's sinful and broken and all that, but the Lord is inviting us. And that's what the psalmist is saying. We're journeying together. Like, hear me on this. I need you. And the people that you're seated around, socially distanced from, six feet apart, wearing a mask, guess what? You need the people here. Those of you that are online, like, we need you. You need the body. That's the call here. And so I want to ask, were you decorpulated before COVID? Now, that's kind of a weird made-up word, right? But I think it's helpful to examine that. How often did we say, oh, yeah, when it works out with my schedule? I mean, the reality is, like, once the schedule started to clear and we start to get some, oh, my goodness, like, what are the things that are, are of priority? So many conversations that I've had with folks over these past few months of, like, the Lord has given me this space as hard as it's been to sort of re-examine. Let's not miss this moment, church. There's an invitation for us to be the people of God and to do a work. God has called us, listen, not just the people that are on stage, he's called you. In this time, in this place, the Lord looked out over history, all right, through all eternity past, and he looks out, and he's like, who am I gonna put in this time, in this place, when there's a worldwide global pandemic? 
He picked you. Now you might be like, well, thanks a lot. But he actually picked you because he's got work to do, not only in you, but through you for the good of your neighbor. And so worship is a delight is the first thing we see. Worship is communal. And as we continue, we see worship is actually unifying. So look with me at verses three to four. They're looking out, they're anticipating Jerusalem. Jerusalem, because they've been there before, so they can reflect on this. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And so what we have here is really sort of this visual metaphor. The psalmist is anticipating walking into Jerusalem and wondering, oh, what's it going to be like when we're all together? And what he's picturing is this city that is intentionally put together, how the walls were constructed, how the temple was constructed. Like you go and read through the Old Testament, you find time and time again, like the Lord cares about the details. The Lord cares about how this is put together because even in that city, it was meant to showcase there's this formative work that the Lord is doing, that there's this unifying work. And so you would approach the city and you would see it in its magnificence and it would be this reminder, oh, the God we worship He's the God of harmony and of beauty. He puts things together in exactly the right way. And so that's what it's getting at. And then it says, all right, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Now we might miss that, but you gotta think, the history of God's people, even the history of Israel as God's people, there were various tribes. And guess what? Those tribes didn't always get along. And so if you're ever reading things and being like, oh man, things are so much worse now than they were. No, no, guess what? Our tribal culture that we feel right now, like it's actually always been there. Now, the issues might be slightly different, but the reality is there were all kinds of things as these people came from various parts of the land to kind of come together to Jerusalem, they would have had their own issues. They would have been wondering, oh, when that tribe shows up, they always want to talk about this, or they want to talk about that, or they, they've got these things. Like that would have existed. And one of the things the Lord does in worship, and this is what has been so key, and I think one of the things that has been so missed, like I think this is a fair thing to, to state, all right? You can argue with me later, but we are feeling at a heightened sense a lot of division culturally, all right? There's division around COVID. There's division around like whether you should be wearing a mask or not. There's division around what to the extent that we should go, be going with this, all right? There's division around like how do we respond to matters of, of injustice, racial injustice. What does that actually look like? There's division, in case you didn't know, apparently there's an election coming up. I don't know if you knew that, right? Like there's division around those topics. There are so many opportunities. And one of the things I think that has been plaguing us is because we haven't been able to actually gather in the ways that we're designed to gather, we've actually, if we don't pay attention, it starts to divide us. You know what happens when I don't see you, when I don't interact with, with you? Like I can start, like the reality is any human being, like you can start to forget that they're made in the image and likeness of God. It's easy to put people in certain kind of camps or little tribes that, well, this person is this way or that way. And yet, when we gather as the church, when the tribes come together, we realize we are unified through the grace of God. I have my own political views. I have my own views about COVID. I got my own views about any number of things, right? And so do you. And yet, the calling for us is to remember what is of utmost importance. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so worship is unified. So when we sing together, what are we all declaring? I got this view and I got this view and I got these concerns and all this, but the thing that unifies us is Jesus is king, Jesus on the throne. We're gonna worship him, we're gonna rest in him. He is ruling and reigning and let's praise God for that. And so there's this beautiful thing that happens. Josh Moody in a book called Journey to Joy, um, which is kind of funny, his last name is Moody and he talks about joy. But anyway, all right, so Josh Moody in Journey to Joy says this about the church coming together. He's talking about the Psalms of Ascent. He says, the reality is none of us, hear this now, is easy to love. But in loving each other, we resist the hell of individualism. As Dostoevsky put it, I maintain that hell is the suffering of being unable to love. And he continues, he says, church then, it's like a drug rehab center where you and me learn to kick the habit. A new society for the new creation. You cannot love the people of God if you are not loving any particular people of God. So it's easy to say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus' church, but unless you are in an embodied sense, like loving a particular people, group of people with their faults, their failings, the confusion, the, the different opinions and takes on things, I don't think we're actually being the church that we're called to be. In worship, what it does is it reminds us, oh, there's a bigger story. There's a bigger narrative that we're part of. Now, the last part of verse four, so we see this, the, the psalmist continues to build and it says, not only this, but worship, to gather and to worship Jesus is not an optional thing, it's actually commanded. So look with me at the last part of verse four. It says this, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So there was a decree that the Lord said, come and gather be together. This is what the writer of Hebrews says, like, don't, don't give up on the, the gathering together as is the habit of some. Now, hear me on this. Those of you particularly, if you're watching online, all right, what you're doing, what you're engaged in, it is meaningful and it counts. And we're, we're one body together, whether you're online or whether you're here in person. This is not a call to make another divisive thing to say, well, the people that really love Jesus are here in the room and the other. No, no, no. This is not a varsity JV sort of nonsense, all right? Like the reality is there's all kinds of different things that are contributing, whether you could be here this morning or not. But there is this call, whether you're doing it online or in person, there's this call that we would take time to gather. And yes, worship for all of life, and I'll talk about that more in a moment, but there actually is a specific call to come and to gather. Because here's what the Lord knows. Why did he command his people to go at certain times to Jerusalem? Why did he call them into weekly remembrances and then other special times throughout the year? Because we're prone to forget, right? Every single day, you and I are bombarded with a message that says, you have to achieve, you have to perform, you need to just play a particular role, a particular part, like there's other people's expectations for you. And worship is our opportunity to come and say, no, 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 I don't have to play according to that old, tired story that doesn't bring life. The Lord is inviting you into something much, much more. Now, when I hear this though, maybe, I don't know if you can relate to this, right? There is part of me when somebody says, you have to do that, that I'm like, hmm, really? Let's, let's see about it, right? Like there's something in the human condition. Now some of you are like, well, somebody told me I'll just go ahead and do that and I follow the rules and because Jesus would want me to do that. But for the rest of us that might struggle with this, right? We might be like, now, if somebody tells me to do it, like I don't want to be forced into it. I want it, now here's the buzzword for our culture, right? I want it to be authentic. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with authentic. We're we're not pro-disingenuineness. What does it look like then to balance this? It's decreed, like this call to be part of it without making it this legalistic thing where like if you're not here, somehow you're a second-rate Christian or you're not really a follower of Jesus or that you could never miss a church gathering. That's not what he's talking about. And yet there's this other side where it's like, well, I only want to do it when I feel like doing it. But what if the Lord in his kindness and grace says, you know what? I'm not sure you can actually trust your feelings all the time. What if I'm decreeing something that will actually help you sort through things in life and actually bring you life and joy and it's actually the best possible way to live? Might God actually be the one who could determine that? Now, if we believe him to be the God that he is, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He's not telling you, he's not decreeing something to rob you of joy, but he's decreeing something because he knows it's the best possible way to live and to enjoy what he has for us. And so Eugene Peterson in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, I will probably quote this every single week throughout this this series, all right? It's his book, On the Psalms of Ascent. He gets at this and he's like, okay, let's talk about this for a moment. He says, I understand we don't want to feel inauthentic. But he's like, let's, let's pay attention for a moment. He says this. He says, we live, he said, in what one writer has called the age of sensation. And we think that if we don't feel something, there can be no, no authenticity in doing it. But the wisdom of God says something different, that we can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. Let me say that one more time, all right? We can act ourselves into a new way of feeling much quicker than we can feel ourselves into a new way of acting. He says, worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. When we obey the command to praise God in worship, our deep essential need to be in relationship with God is actually nurtured. If I relied on my feelings to be like, oh, I feel like worshiping, I feel like orienting myself toward God in this moment, there probably would be some times where maybe that would well up. But the Lord in his kindness says, I know the human condition. I know the fact that like, all these things are going to be competing for your time, your energy, your allegiances, and I'm inviting you into this, not to earn the affection of God, but rather so you would experience and know again and be refreshed and renewed and rehearse, be part of this story of rehearsing like you have the affection of God through his son Jesus. And the church coming together is a gift that the Lord has given to us so we might actually know that. And so it's helpful to even ask like, do I feel disconnected from the Lord? Do I feel like maybe my relationship's not flourishing? Just go very basic for a moment. But it's very important to just ask, am I even heeding this invitation and this, this decree? And I would put before you to the extent that you are, your life, you will begin to, there will be a closeness that you would experience with God. That doesn't mean all your problems go away, all right? It's not, hey, attend every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Y. We promise you a, a life that'll just be amazing. No, that's, that's not it. But it will be a life where you actually know how to handle then the things that come at you. Now, as we continue, we'll, we'll look at a couple of things. Look at verse five. It says, their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. I want to put before you, worship is a place where we can actually have the truth told to us, to receive truth. As I said a moment ago, you and I are bombarded all the time with all sorts of lies. This is a space to be able to come in, whether you're here in person or online, to be reminded of the true, true story. 
And so it's a reference, yes, to King David. It's a reference to the thrones. It's a reference to like this judgment and what that, what that is actually getting at. It's this decisive word Peterson talks about by which God straightened things out and he puts things right. Like God knows how things are supposed to be. I need to hear the truth. One of the most helpful things for me, I think God in his grace toward me is like, hey, you're not just gonna sit there and listen to sermons more this week. You're gonna actually have to prepare them. Not because, oh, I'm better and you need to hear from me. I think God is saying, no, 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 you wouldn't get it otherwise. I need to give you about 20, 30 hours a week of preparing for this. Like everybody else, they're probably good with 30 to 40 minutes. You're a dum-dum and you actually need some help here. Like that's probably more accurate, right? I need the truth to just, I gotta immerse in it. And that's what this is getting at. So I wanna ask you, like church, like where else are you gonna go to hear the truth? Where else are you going to be able to be reminded on the one hand, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. Like our culture doesn't like to talk about that, but we need to actually wrestle with that. And at the same time know that God has pursued us, that he calls us sons and daughters to the finished work of Jesus. This is why Paul would say in Colossians chapter one, verses 21 to 23, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, right? Like, that's our resume right there as people. Our culture doesn't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about that necessarily in the church. It's like, that doesn't feel very like positive and affirming, right? It's like, well, but what if we need to hear this? Where else am I gonna hear that apart from Christ, I was alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. But he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Tim Keller puts it like this, a helpful, beautiful summary of the truth that we need to hear. And I need to hear it, not just on Sunday, I need to hear this every single day. And I believe you need to hear it as well. And part of the church, part of the calling, part of worship is reminding us of this. Keller says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. You might think you've got a pretty good grasp on your depravity and the Lord is telling you, right? Like, no, 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 you don't actually know how far the problem goes. And yet, as Keller says, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. I need that truth. We need to be in a community that tells us the truth about who I am apart from Christ, that I still struggle, that you still struggle, that we can empathize with one another and yet not just stop there. There's something better the church has than the world that would just say, okay, you do you, you be true to yourself. Like that's about as good as it's going to get. No, 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 we have something much better that comes in and says, you know what? You are more loved, more cherished. The Lord loves you. He set his affection upon you because of the work of Jesus. Doesn't your soul need that when you're beat down, when you're discouraged, when maybe you get a fresh new glimpse of like, oh, the depravity goes deeper than I thought. And yet God's grace goes deeper still. That is the encouragement. And so look with me as these, as we'll look at verses six through nine then. You get this group of people that are anticipating, they're glad to join together in worship. It's doing something, it's forming something in them. 
but it's not meant to just stay contained to a Sunday. And so this is the last thing. So we look at verses six to nine. Worship, it's this ongoing invitation. And it's an ongoing invitation to people like you and me who know for a fact, like, oh my goodness, like we are messed up sinful people. Like the Lord is doing something in a community of people who are the misfits, the ones that don't fit in, all right? God literally tells us, hey, I went ahead and chose the foolish ones of the world, not the wise. And so if there's any part of us that's puffed up, like, yeah, we're the church, we're awesome. It's like, no, like we're, we're just very messed up. And God in his grace has reached down to us and rescued us. So we can't be full of ourselves, but we can also rest in the fact that we have his love. And this worship then should spill out. And so verses six to nine say this. This is the psalmist recognizing the world is not all that it should be. If there was ever a prayer to pray, I want to invite us into this, church. Like the world needs the church to be this counterculture, to be a city on a hill, to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth, all the things that the Lord invites us into and empowers us through his spirit, not to earn anything. Christ has earned it all. He's given you his righteousness but rather that it would spill out. So when we gather on a Sunday, online, in person, whatever that looks like, it's this sort of reset. It's an opportunity to remember, remember the gospel, to remember the story we're part of, and then to remember there is a broken world. And it's not just out there. It continues to be in my heart. But how can we pray for the flourishing of our community? The Lord has raised you up and us up as a church in this time and this place, not just so that we could huddle together and get through it, but that we might actually be a blessing to the communities in which God has placed us. And so the psalmist recognizes this and says, verse six, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. If you gotta pray for that, it's a recognition. There's not always peace. There's division, there's tribalism. We feel that. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Church, hear this as we wrap up. It is this call that what we're doing right here, right now, would help fuel us, that this worship would continue, that it's all of life. Whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Because the Lord is building something here with messed up, sinful, broken people like you and like me. The Apostle Peter, I mean, talk about a man who, who knew brokenness. Talk about a man who wondered, oh, have I, have I sinned in too big of a way? A man who became aware of his flaws, his sin, his shortcomings, his rebellion, and God says, hey, I see that, repent of that, but I want you to know my grace goes deeper. In fact, I'm gonna use you in profound ways. It's that Peter he would write these particular words to a group of people that are dealing with persecution and they're dealing with hardship and he's inviting them in to say, the Lord is building something. Because we don't travel to the temple anymore. It's not contained in that. It's actually that the Lord through his church today, through you, seriously, think about this. Through you, he is building this temple. This is what the, the apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2, four to five. He says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. So we reject Jesus, all right? But in the sight of God is chosen and precious. He says, even in light of that, God's grace, you yourselves like living stones then are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
You, don't, you no longer go to a priest. You don't travel to Jerusalem. You don't make sacrifices at, at the temple. Why? Because Jesus is the great high priest who also is the great sacrifice. Jesus is the one who has done it all. And now what he's doing through us, what worship reminds us of is your identity. There's this priesthood here, you and me. You might not have thought of that as you came in this morning, as you were driving to church, maybe you felt like anything but like, oh, that's my identity. But the scriptures are very, very clear, all right? He's building us up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And then just a few verses later, in verses nine to 10 of chapter two, he says this, be encouraged in this, church, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may, and here's where it spills out, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Worship reminds us of that, and it spills out that we would know we are a holy, set-apart, chosen people, not because we've earned anything, but rather because God is so gracious and he is so kind that he would choose to work through people like you and like me and say, those are the people I'm gonna build my church with. And when we gather together on a Sunday, part of what is happening is us being reminded again and again, okay, there's a part to play. We get to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. Not just when COVID goes away, not just when things go one way or the other in an election, however you want that to go, but to proclaim the excellences of Jesus, regardless of circumstances, regardless of difficulty, regardless of how a relationship is going or how your kids are doing or how your job is going, to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus because you have been brought in. There's a spiritual house that is being built and we get to do that together. And so the image of the church for a closing prayer, think about it maybe this way. How do you view it? Do you view it as a movie theater or as a gymnasium? Think about this for a moment, right? Um, might be a little difficult to see, but movie theater, gymnasium, it's so easy and it's so tempting to view gathering for worship, whether it be on a Sunday or in all of it, sort of in a spectator mode, right? To just sit back, let me be entertained. Was it a good service? Oh, I liked that song. Well, I didn't like that song so, so well. Eh, Jamie went a little long. Well, whatever, right? Um, you say that every week. So anyway, like what, how are we supposed to view this? The call, what actually happens in worship, it is not a movie theater. It is not a passive spectator. You might feel even that oh, passive in the moment. That's not what's happening. The Lord right now, through his word, it says it's living and active. It does not return void. The spirit is present here with us. It is more like a gymnasium, not just because we're in a Y. This would be true of any church in any building, but it's a helpful reminder, is it not, right? Here in this place, it's where this workout is happening that the Lord is doing. He's forming us into the kinds of people to be this spiritual house. And it's not a passive spectator sort of thing like going to a movie and just kicking back, but rather it's we are called to actively engage, to live this out. To say, all right, Lord, what do you have for me? How do I surrender my preferences, my time, my talent, so that more people might actually hear about the excellencies of Jesus, the more people might actually worship Jesus? Because that's where life ultimately is found. And so church, I wanna pray for us. The worship team's gonna come back up. We're gonna, we're gonna close by singing a couple of songs. Um, if you saw on the email, um, if you're on our email list, uh, we normally, under normal circumstances, we practice 
the Lord's Supper, communion weekly. Our plan is to begin doing that next week. We just weren't sure what this was even going to look like this morning. And so just to kind of keep things simple and allow us to be able to kind of make some tweaks and modifications and all of that, we're not doing that this morning. But I do want us to pray. And I want us, wherever you're at right now, let's, to focus our hearts and our attention and ask the Lord, build us into the spiritual house. Let's allow what has happened in 2020 not to be something we would look back on and say, what an annoyance, or I can't believe this, but it would be a marker where we would look back and say, the Lord did something. The Lord reminded me of how precious the church is. The Lord reminded me of how precious Jesus is. The Lord reminded me of the great calling that I have to proclaim his the excellency of King Jesus. What an invitation that we have. So it's not just the psalmist that's excited, right? Like this is our invitation and we have much better news. The psalmist longed for the one that would be in the line of King David to come and set things right. We know the reality of what Jesus has done. So let me pray for us and we'll continue in worship. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active, that it's doing a work right now, that there is this spiritual workout that's occurring, not only when we gather on Sunday, but that's our invitation throughout the week to live lives of worship, knowing that that's the best possible way to live, that that's what we've been called to, invited into, and that we have access, that we can actually do that. Because Jesus, you died in our place, you took all our sin, our rebellion, the wrath that should have been poured out on us, you took it upon yourself. And so God, we desire for more freedom. We desire for more joy in our life that it wouldn't be dependent upon circumstances. And we know that's only found in the gospel. And so God, through the power of your spirit now, would you be just continuing to press that truth in allowing us to sort of soak in that through the songs that we sing, through the confession, assurance of pardon, through the preaching of your word, God, in all of it. May we experience the, experience the unifying presence and power of your spirit together this morning. And so God, build us into the spiritual house that you desire us to be, not only for our good, but for the good of the community the city that you've placed us in. I pray, God, by the power of your spirit that we would be this counterculture that is able to point to a better and a truer way to proclaim the excellencies of King Jesus. And so we want to do that right now as we sing songs, but we want it to spill out from here. And so spirit, lead us in repentance in these times when we make worship about our preferences, we make it about our story, about what we want to do in this world. I pray we would repent of that. I pray that we would turn and we would be reminded again of the one true story about life is found only in worshiping you, Jesus. And so I'm thankful that we get a little taste of even that life as we sing together now. And so hear our praises, God. I pray that you would get your glory and that we would experience a deep and abiding joy as we sing, as we worship together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.